You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin. We got a full compliment here, boys. Hey, everybody. Live long and prosper. So, we are getting to the middle of May. Some big, big news out of uh, out of the CDC. If you are fully vaccinated, you can now be indoors and outdoors without a mask. In certain situations. If your locality supports it. That's true. If your locality supports it. But, it's big, big news because that wasn't even really on the horizon and it jumped on us all at once. Like, all at once. Like, I think I, I had... Uh, the no mask date happening in July, July fourth. Mm. Mm. Did you guys do a, a pool at work? Yeah, and I was just, I was the closest one at July. Wow! So that means I won the respect and admiration of my colleagues. Woohoo! There you I know, go. Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's the start of something. It's the start of it. You know, I think yeah. uh, what it'll be interesting to see how long it takes businesses like local retailers and businesses to pull their signs down. Um. But yeah. uh, we'll we'll see, you know. So, like for instance, in uh, one state I'm familiar with, Virginia, or the Commonwealth of Virginia, as it were. Thank you. Um, 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 that it's like five percent of people that really know what that means. They are allowed to leave the signs up as long as the state of emergency is in force, which is it technically still is. Yeah. Until June 30. So that's a, like a thing because, ironically yeah. enough, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, to wear a mask in public is a misdemeanor. It is. Yep. So yep. Uh, it's going to get weird, people. This whole thing is going to get weird. Yeah. We might get yeah. some clarification on these dumb, vague legislations we have. Ugh. <laughs> it's like, you know, what did they mean when they said wear a mask in public? Right, exactly. Yeah, I, it means you're an outlaw. Yeah, it means, it means I didn't buy my Mando helmet fast enough because the mask thing is going away. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's a great thing. So today we are going to talk about what gaming is going to look like. You know what? And is interesting is, um, I think we did a gaming in a dangerous time episode, um, almost exactly a year ago. It was probably just over a year ago. Yeah. You know, and it was yeah. talking about using Tabletop Simulator and all that stuff. And, I think you know, it was like 13 months ago because yeah. I think that was in April. We'll have to go check the logs, but I think we're I think we're yeah. over by a month or two. So today we're going to talk about uh, what does gaming look like in a post-COVID world and how do we transition with the rest of the rest of the country, essentially. So, mm-hmm. But before we get there, Jason, how was your Geek Week, sir? It was good. I went to uh, – I traveled for work this whole past week. And so I downloaded a bunch of uh, episodes of The Haunting of Hill House to my phone to watch on the plane. Nice. Smart move. And, uh, yep, yep. And By the fin- way, the, the phone download ability is so clutch for plane rides. Yeah, yeah. Well, Because it, you, it's hard to have a laptop sometimes. You don't have enough room. Like, yeah, well, I mean, perfect size. I mean, I normally use my, f- even if I don't download, I normally use my phone and just connect to, most airplanes have, like, you know, movies on demand on yeah, their yeah, local yeah, Wi-Fi yeah, yeah, nowadays. But, right. But it's nice to be able to watch what you want to watch, you know, and have it there. Uh, yep. 
so after I convinced my kids to delete their downloads so that Netflix would let me download, I downloaded <laughs> several episodes of Haunting of Hill House. You're like, why does My Little Pony keep yeah. showing up here? What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> no, we absolutely use profiles on our Netflix account. Yes. But uh, I'll tell you. So I finished I finished it, um, enjoyed the whole ride. Yeah. But at the end, I kind of left scratching my head saying, uh, what genre was I watching again? So I think that we're spoiler free here. Yeah. Because it, that's been out for like three years now. It's Yeah, it's been a while. So it's kind of like it's it's past like not saying it at the water cooler anymore. Yeah, so let's talk about it. Haunting of Hill House is like Silent Hill, right? In a sense. Like there's this haunted house. There's some crazy stuff happening in it. There's a family that moves in. I mean, it's a quintessential like haunted house story. Mm-hmm. Horror galore. Freaky things happen. Jump scares. You know, some interesting things that happen. And then let's let's go through to the end. There's, we talked about this last time, though. There's, like, little to no gore in it. Yeah. It's really it's just, just suspense horror. Yeah. Yep, yep. And and they do a good job. Like, like the, the what is it, the second to last episode when it shows them, like, leaving the house? Mm. Like, that's an intense yes. t- time. Like, yeah. when they're trying to escape the house and they, they go to the motel and, like... Yeah. The dad's got to leave him to go back. Well, it's, it's a, you know, they do sandwich storytelling where, yep, you know, yep. the first episode you are caught up in this enormous, you know, this crazy event. And you, and the whole rest of the series, which is just one season in this one, you're left mm-hmm. building the tiny little pieces to figure out what happened in that event. And then I think it's actually, like you said, I think it's the second to last episode where you see what happened in that event. You finally yeah. see it. Yeah. Um, and then there's the last episode. And then there's the last episode. So all the way up into the end, it's like straight horror. Like there, you're like, holy crap! Like everybody's gonna die. You know, like maybe one person's gonna make it out of this scene. Yeah. You know, because the whole thing, the whole premise is built on this is truly a re. It really is a haunted house. There are plenty of ghosts in here. Right. And the ghosts, you know, spoiler at this point, the spoilers are out. That the ghosts dr- drive the mother insane. Yep. You know, they basically make the mother not lose her sanity, not know if she's awake or asleep. And her just basically thinking that she needs to wake up from the real world, thinking the real world's a dream. And, and she wants to take her children with her. Yeah. Right. And so that and but the father, of course, is grounded in reality. Like the house really doesn't have any effect on him. And so he's seen his wife go downhill. And yeah. all of a sudden he starts to kind of realize, uh, holy crap. And then at the last moment he's like, crap, i got to get my kids out of here. And he gets them and like runs and then, you know, the house consumes his wife. And then the rest, you know, the whole series is basically you figuring that out as you're watching the kids like, what, like 10, 15 years later or something? Oh, like even further than that. I think is it's like it, well, 20 years. Yeah, probably like, like 20 like, years later. Because they're like 40s and 30s. Yeah, but the the house is, you know, the dad said it once near the end. He said it really well. He said, "We our family is like an unfinished meal to the house. Uh-huh. Like it started eating us and now it wants to finish us. So it's just slowly pulling them back to the house, which yep. culminates in, you know, the last episode with them all like coming back to this dark, dank, haunted house yep. and having their own little encounters in it. That they literally needed to take a fl- flamethrower to. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well... <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's it. We were talking about this afterwards. Like, at what point do you see the signs and you're like, "I'm out. I'm out. That's <laughs> yeah, it. I'm nope, leaving. Not going back. Don't care. I'm leaving. Uh, my wife's literally going crazy. Yep. So it's time. It's to over. Go. Time to time go. go. Time to go. Time to go. And well, I mean, and to be fair, he tried to do that. Right. He just 
he he actually sent his wife away. He's like, you need to get out of this house. Yeah. And they were like, you need all right, you're going on a trip next week to go visit your sister. And then and then he's like, you know what? Nope, you're going tonight. Right. Or or the next day. And then she, but she didn't. She tricked him because she was already she was already turned at that point. Yep. She left and then came back without him knowing and tried killing people. Yeah, but anyways, it's pretty so, psychotic. So yeah, so obviously we've skipped a bunch, but the point is, is that everything we've said up to this point sounds like a horror movie, yeah, right? Which it was. Which it for, was great for nine episodes. Yeah, and then you get to that last episode, which is going perfectly. <laughs> yep, up until like forty-five minutes in. Yep, and then all of a sudden it turns into like this happy ending. Oh, oh everybody's everybody, together again. Everybody gets together and gets out. Except for the except for the mom and the dad, yeah. But even the dad, like, because the dad basically sacrifices himself to save his older children. Yeah. He's like, you know what? I'll stay with my wife's basically crazy, but she doesn't well, want to be alone. And poor Nell. Nell didn't make it out. And poor Nell. Yeah, one kid didn't make it out, but she died like in episode four or something. Yeah, that's true. But uh, anyways, so so he's like, it's the standard, you know. Look, honey, um, let our children escape the house, and I'll stay with you forever. And so he yeah. he basically like kind of. And, kills and the children and the children can come and visit whenever they want. Oh, whenever they want. Yeah, it'll be nice. It'll be a great. And it's family. happy, happy. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> it was weird ending. I remember watching it, being like, "What? What just happened here?" I, I kept when we when it finished and the credits rolled, I was like, you know, that was like, that was like horror for people who don't like horror. <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> People who are like, I can't watch this because I know it's not going to have been any. You know what? Just stick with it. It it has a fine ending. You'll be okay. Yeah. So that's the kind of horror that you can turn it off and then go to sleep right afterwards. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I slept fine. Which is crazy because the episode where Nell dies, I woke up in the middle of the night. Nice. Were you <laughs> I woke up in the middle of the night the for the bent neck lady? Of, yeah, for the bent neck <laughs> lady. I woke up in the middle of the night for like you know an hour and rolled around in bed thinking about that because that was that was really good like – that was really good storytelling. Yeah. In my mind. Time and space really did cool. not matter to the ghosts. Mm-mm. That's what's kind of cool. It was very cool. Anyway, so that was that was one for me. Um, I would still recommend it. Like I said, it was a great ride. Just realize mm-hmm. if you're like a real deep horror fan, like you love the fact that, you know, nobody gets out. That's not this. That's not how this ends. Right. Um, but This uh, is not a mothership episode. Nope. This is not a mothership. It's not a... Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. So... The um the last thing I did was uh, I scratched up a bunch of plans for uh, you know I've done some modeling of some houses for our tabletop war gaming yeah. which will yeah. commence soon hopefully um and I did some plans I've got about three sheets of paper in front of me for a ruined cathedral okay and uh, I'm pretty excited I started cutting some foam out uh, last night to start putting this ruined cathedral together and I very quickly realized that I might have bitten off more than I could chew. <laughs> No, I'm li- I'm like, well, I think I could probably make this look good at some point, but I am totally lost. I cut like two pieces of foam and was like, this this is a little bit harder than a house. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> that's but we'll, awesome. We'll push through and see what it looks like at the end. <laughs> you know, got to get some experience. You're like, that's an ugly baby. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a cathedral. Yeah. I mean, well, a I mean, uh, th- that's the beauty of a ruined cathedral, right? It's like you know. So many years in the future, the only thing that's left are like four walls and like maybe, you know, maybe a pedestal or something. Yeah. So it it, it can be very less, and it probably is going to end up being that way. It's going to be very less daunting. Like it'll be a lot more rubble than it will any kind of uh, features or anything. 
Awesome. Probably how it's going to end up. That was me. That's cool. That's cool. All right. Uh, Dan the Man, how was your Geek Week? Well, uh, I'm back to work. I got back to work on my game table. I now have eight uh, easily removable but stable cup holders uh, cut out of wood and stained and lacquered, lacquered, and lacquered. And they have the metal insert cups that are two different sizes, one for more like a can bottle size and one for like a sports drink size. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a great time uh, cutting those on the drill press and just making it up as I went along until I got it to work. I had to put these little rubber bumpers on the backs of them to put pressure between the clasp. The, there's a clasp on the table and a clasp on the back of the, the cup holder and the little rubber bumpers create pressure they push the cup holder away from the side of the table yeah it's a good idea and tighten it up real otherwise they're just they were just a little too shaky bakey um so uh everybody uh and that's my next uh geek week is that we had a uh, a game session at my home it was hybrid virtual and in person now one member of my gaming group who lives three doors down has been coming every, you know, you know, month for several months. So there's been two of us for a while, but I've been really trying to, you know, do the best I can to encourage as many in-person players as I can. And we would have had five of our six, including me, people there if one didn't have a cold so that we had two virtual and the other one who didn't have a cold said he would, um, with his COVID situation was interested in coming in June. So, and ironically enough, the player that is three doors down is going on a summer break and wants to be virtual when everybody else shows up. So (laughs) I can't get away from virtual or hybrid rather. Yeah. We will be forever. Uh, We'll talk about that more in the main topics. Hey, where'd you get the idea for the clasps? I just, um, okay. Uh, Originally, my thought was to do a wooden French cleat, which we had talked about, but I thought that that would be uh, just just a little harder. We'd be cutting a lot more wood, and it would just it'd just be kind of trickier to get what I wanted out of it, number one. And remember, this was all add-on. Some people design their tables with a system where they just slide those things in real fast, and those are cool. And the ones you buy for, you know, three or $4,000 usually have a system like that. So I was like bolting on a system. So then I saw these virtual uh, uh, furniture clasp things that have four screw in, in, in the, in each, four screws in each clasp. And they're, they're identical once, you know, I've got them one points up and the other points down and, and, and they marry up real fast. And so um, I was just looking for like a metal French cleat system and they were all for big industrial things like how to hang gigantic wooden panels on a wall that are like that weigh 300 pounds. And that was yeah. way overkill. And then I just kind of happened upon these little metal metal guys and, and there's a couple different versions of them. And I, I got one that I think I probably over-engineered. Um, I had too many holes for screws. They're smaller ones that have two screws instead of four. So I just decided to pull the trigger and do it, um, and I did it, and it works. I think it looks way better than what a French cleat would have done. I, I feel like it's – you look at it, it, it's not an eyesore in any way. Yeah. It just looks like it's an accessory hook. Nice. Yes, yes. And, and and I'm going to be able to use those hooks for other things like yeah. uh, dice tray, 
I do have some other smaller little metal cup holders that are very shallow and I want to use those for chit holders, dice holders, you know, pretzel holders, whatever. Um, but I need to fabricate those and, and, and make those. I'm not in a hurry to do it because I'm just not in a hurry, but um, I've got it. I already pre-bought all the cans, all the metal inserts, and I pre-bought all the uh, uh, drill pieces for the drill pet press to cut those holes perfectly. So uh, let me just tell you, I'm glad I had a drill press for this job. It made life much, much easier. Oh, and it, was, it was fun. So now I have these huge chunky wheels. I have like eight wooden wheels. <laughs> I need to make <laughs> like two nice. cars out of it, you know. I don't want to throw them in the trash or use them as kidling. They're they're kind of fun, and uh, I'm going to do something with them. Um, so Very yeah, good. that was my geek week. Nice, nice. Uh, my geek week. So my in-laws were in town pretty much all of last week. So um, when whatever free time I had, I was busy entertaining. So um, Sunday, well Saturday night we had our RPG night, which was great. But Sunday. I got to sit down and just paint for a while. And man, whenever I've been away from painting for a while and I go back to it, like it's just such, like I've said this a million times before, but it's really my Zen mode thing. And I just really like start to get into it again. And I'm like, oh man, I'm making good progress. And I feel happy with the results that I see, you know, and it just, it's just really nice to kind of get back into those things that when when you kind of have been pulled away because of real life. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that it's like, I don't have to worry about a boss at work. I don't have to worry about crazy things going on with the rugby team that I'm coaching. I don't have to worry about, you know, I just need to worry about putting color on this miniature and listening to some music, usually something synth wavy, you know, synth wave is awesome painting music because it's kind of just chilled out. Yeah. So it's so amazing how it. much I've embraced that kind of music lately. And I don't know if it was COVID because... I got rid of cable, so I don't have news and advertisements yeah. on in the background anymore. I have a lot more um, kind of basically mood music on. Yeah. Um, yep. Less less like in your face, I want to sing the song music. Maybe it's because I'm getting old. Maybe it's the times we live in. But I just need that. I need that zone out Yeah. in the background, too. Oh, I, yeah. I love listening to that. So You know, it's funny because I always made fun of people who listen to techno. I mean, there's some goofy people that listen to techno sometimes, but... Uh, you know, there's goofy people that listen to all all sorts of genres of music, but uh, you know, I I mean, what else do you kid, make fun of? What other I categories mean, and oh, genres I mean, of people broadly do you make fun of? Throw, throw a dart, buddy. Throw a dart. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, I used to be like, oh, techno, but now I listen to it. And I'm like, this just is nice, dude. It's perfect for coding. Oh, EDM. Only... I I would throw EDM on for coding or techno. It's the, it's the only way to enter the code. Yes. So anyway, that was that was the first thing. The second thing I literally received today, and it is the Call of Cthulhu starter set for oh, an RPG. It. I cool. did get it, and I am excited about it because I open up book one. There's four books in here, right? And it's got like a start here type of thing, and it says um, basically you shall die. What you're yeah, what you're supposed to do is that you need to go play book one by yourself. It is a solo adventure. Okay? And that's how you learn the game. You play a solo adventure. So I've got book one in front of me. I'm going to play it, like, probably, you know, one of these coming weeks. And then, basically, it's once you're done with book one, you've kind of learned the adventure, how Call of Cthulhu works. 
Then you can go into book two that has all the rules against it. Book three has like four uh, starter adventures that you can play. There's, I got a set of polyhedral dice in here. Um, oh. Let's see, there's, a, you know, pre-made characters in there. There's blank investigator sheets that you can, um, you know, photocopy and play with. And so I've got four adventures from this pack, and I've got a great... Um, Basically, it's a choose-your-own-adventure, how this how this works type of game to teach me how it plays. I, I'm excited. This is a cool little pack. It's got a bunch of little, um, like, props for the adventures, like little maps and, like, handouts and letters and things like that that came with the starter pack. I mean, I know that, like, a lot of other ones do, too. You know, I, I think the Star Wars one had, like, a really cool map and some little, like, handout things that you could show. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there's some there's some cool stuff in here, like, I think cool Call roads of, and pictures and. Yeah. I think I think this is a good jumping off point from your time in Shadow of the Demon Lord because you're you've been really steeped in GMing a horror type genre. Yeah, it's just a slightly different uh, uh, take right. on it. Um, oh yeah. So I I think it's a really good fit for you as a GM. So I'm excited because what it's gonna do is I'm gonna play this solo one and then I think. I haven't floated this by my RPG group, but maybe we'll put a pin in our D&D adventure and I'll just run a solo one before GuildCon just to make sure, like, because there's four adventures in here, right? So I could run a so like, I could run one of the one of the four before we do GuildCon just to make sure that I know how to run it well with a group of people. At and Dan's then, table. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. hey, we could, oh. You're invited. And it would be a... It will be a in-person only. In-person only. <laughs> oh, man. That sounds like fun. Get it you know, on the calendar. My cousin Lincoln's probably totally in because he watched the uh, Lovecraft Country, and he oh, was yeah. like, I need more Cthulhu. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, look, this thing looks awesome. And the starter set, take a guess on the price of the starter set. Starter set should come in around $25, give or take 5 or 10 what do you think, Jason? Yeah, I was going to say 30 35 It was $18 on Amazon. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, no, sorry. It was $18 on Miniature Market plus like $5 shipping, and it was $23 on Amazon with free shipping. Okay. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Starter so, sets, the first hit's always cheap. Yeah. Those are yeah, but it's the gateway drug. It is. It totally is. But I am impressed with the quality of this. And I have been wanting to get into the Call of Cthulhu kind of franchise a little bit. Um, but I just, you know, like the problem is, is you're like, here, buy this $50 book. And I'm like, do I really want that book? You know, that means I have to read the whole book to know how to play it, too. You know what I mean? And so I, I saw the starter set the other day and I'm like, this is it. This is the one. So. I did order the Klingon starter set, but it hasn't. I don't. It's not scheduled to uh, be printed before GuildCon, so oh. I wanted to get it and run it. Uh, that was yeah. my. Goal. I bet if you, I bet if you emailed the company and say we're doing a local convention, I've already bought it. I would love to do an intro session. They'll probably send you something. They might. They might they send might. you a PDF. That's a good idea. Um, I think I have it. I think I downloaded the PDF too. I think I've got that. So, yeah, anyway, I you know, here's the thing that I'm really excited about. GuildCon, um, we're talking about it today. Um, we've got seven absolutely qualified GMs to run games. And 
there's a huge interest in RPGs. And I think that we're going to have multiple sessions a day. And I like the idea that I am going to be offering Call of Cthulhu, Shadow of the Demon Lord, and maybe something else. Like I might do a, I might do a D and D depending on the interest in D. Like there's a huge interest in D and D like amongst our peers. Um, but I like throwing out these alternative ones. Maybe I'll run a, I, I mean, maybe I'll run a rogue trader one again. And well, we'll I just think do a one shot of that, you know, there's an interest to play is different than the interest to run when it comes oh, to yeah, D&D. Sure. So yeah. I, I think there's a supply demand issue there. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, you know, I mean, if, if a lot of people want to play D and D that's great, you know, but I want to kind of offer some alternate rpgs that people really wouldn't play outside of their gaming group because yeah. nobody ever runs it and i think that that's to me that's the fun of a convention yeah you get to try new things that you would never play at home because either nobody has a game or nobody's ever played it or or whatever i know? might prep my uh my time travel uh thing for genesis oh, that i'm working right. on and at least mm-hmm. i'll have some new people to play it with not new people but you know just <clears throat> yeah i'll have some some willing participants yeah. So anyway, that was my geek week. Pretty happy with my thing today. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Dan, I think we've got some news. Welcome to Tabletop and Beyond News. <laughs> I fully expect you to say, Stay classy, San Diego. I'm Ron Burgundy. Uh, stop. <laughs> I, I think I hit the wrong button. I almost, <laughs> I almost just called 911 trying to trying to hit Whoa. the volume on this. Wow. Dan just about swatted himself. I think I'm becoming my uh, my deceased grandparents. Uh, clearly. <laughs> Woo! They, they come barging the door. No, no, it's just we're on a pod. It's just a thing. It's just. Honey, a thing. did you call nine one one? I didn't call nine one one. Who called nine one one? Well, it wasn't me. Uh, I I have a great uncle who keeps up with technology. He's seventy. I mentioned him a few episodes ago, and I just love that guy so much. He is on it. He is uh, sorry. So that's that's my goal. I have somebody who I know in their seventies who does not let technology get by them. All right, let's get into the news. Darrington Press, the game publishing imprint of Critical Role, announced the release date for their first board game, Ukatoa. The semi-cooperative card game has players take on the role of sailors attempting to survive the raging Leviathan Ukatoa. The game is set for release on May 27 to Critical Role online customers, following soon to local game stores with an MSRP of $29.99. And yes, there's already a sea shanty. Oh, I like that. Are you guys up on this whole sea shanty fad that's happening? Okay, well, so I, am not. I, I think that it, the sea shanty fad started with Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Maybe. Like maybe. a few years ago. Because they started having sea shanties on there and you would be sailing in your ship for hours on hours in that game. And they'd be singing sea shanties and you would be singing with them because they were great. And so the more sea shanties the better. And and you see them putting it in other games. And now like there's a huge fad with like singing sea shanties. Yeah, I have a teenage daughter, 16 years old, who does dishes and sings sea shanties because she has, there's a TikTok channel dedicated to sea shanties. 
And I <laughs> went awesome. on YouTube and put in sea shanty, and I found a sea shanty that had 33 million views. Wow. So this That's is a, like Gungam style. <laughs> this is a weird, weird fad. This is like that time. Remember, what was it in the early... Was it the early, late 90s when everybody got into swing dancing for no clear reason? Listen, I was no, a that's... really good swing dancer. I'm sure you were. That that was because of the uh, the movie that came out, the World War II movie that came out that made, got swing dancing yes. popular again. And a Gap commercial. Wait, wait, wait hold and on. A Gap the, the Gap commercial was the big one. In fact, I recreated that one every church dance. Oh, man. <laughs> there was a girl named Suzanne Kitchen, and she would let me throw her around. Oh. <sighs> Was what was the name awesome. of that movie? I don't remember. Um, I know. I... It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. <laughs> do-ot, 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 do-ot. Yeah, remember? That was definitely the movie. It was with Christian the name Bales. Of the movie. Uh, hold on. Christian, Christian Bales. Christian oh, okay. Bales. Uh, it was very sweaty World dancing. Very sweaty dancing. It was, and it was called Swing Kids. Swing, Swing Kids, Kids, yeah. Yeah. My angel sister got into that fad and became a ballroom dancer, and she even teaches ballroom dancing to this day. So sometimes a fad does weird things. <laughs> so uh, we are down a, a rat hole, by the way, guys. We are so trivia. far down the rat hole right now for tabletop. This, and is, this is a little bit of trivia. Christian Bale's was in another World War II movie called Empire of the Sun, directed and by Steve. I, I believe it's Christian film. Bale. Bale, you're right. I always say Bale. I wonder why. Empire of the I Sun know, right? is, is an amazing <laughs> piece of work. That's pretty funny. Oh, because you're uh, like, oh yeah. Let's not talk. <laughs> I didn't realize that my last name is on the description of this podcast, and I had one of my employees Google me and go, "So what's with this tabletop and beyond thing?" I said, "It's a horrible, horrible podcast." You should have just said, "So what's with you it. googling me?" Yeah, why are you googling me? Oh, I yeah. was. We were joking about how easy uh, it is to, yeah. you know, in the 21st century. And um, have you ever tried to Google Justin Smith and see what you found? <laughs> yeah, my name is a little more unique yeah, that's than successful. yours. It's true. I always come up as a a, a, a pro, pro football player for the 49ers. Uh, hey. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So, news. News. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is a big one. More information is available for this year's in-person Gen Con, including badge registration. As previously announced, the convention will take place between September 16 and 19 in Indianapolis, Indiana, in a reduced capacity starting at... Noon on Sunday, May 23rd, a limited number of four-day passes will go on sale, and this will be the only batch of four-day patches, pad badges sorry, available. Once they sell out, they're sold out. The more single-day badges may become available later. Those who pre-ordered badges for the Council 2020 convention who elected to roll over their attendance to 2021 should already have badges assigned to them under their My Packets page along with the option to roll attendance over to 2022 okay so guess when the close date was to roll to 2022 yesterday it was oh. may 16th yep. so you're talking to somebody who has a gen con badge for 2021 uh oh you going i emailed them and said hey i'm only a day past the deadline can you help me out um so i'll see you what said, they say no we take your money but does it make sense to spend a thousand dollars to save a hundred dollars? Well, $1, it would if you it would if your friends were going. My friend, I, see that's the thing. I will we'll have to talk about this. So now there's a there's a better than even chance that 
I will have yeah. a badge for Gen Con 21. And with all yeah, the all the restrictions I think you can, loosening. You, you should check because I think it um, in the past, unless they changed it, their policy for this one, in the past, you could always cancel your badge, but it would roll into a lesser amount of store credit or like Gen Con credit. So yes. they might give you an option to do something like that. Right now I have a $0 credit and I have a 21 badge. So I yeah. emailed the customer service and I'll They're probably back. answering the other 200,000 emails from people that realized the day was yesterday. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. They should have a Or they email. just don't or they just don't answer and that's that. You know, I've <laughs> I don't I you know, I I'll get I get the impression from my limited interaction with Gen Con admin over the years that these these are actually just generally good people. Yeah, they, I they, agree. they give it a try. Yeah. I agree. Unlike the Nova Open. Yeah. <laughs> You're dead to me, Nova right. Open. Your nonprofit organization that pays three people a salary for one event. Sorry. Yes. Right. So the four day badges for Gen Con will cost $113, while single day badges vary $62 for Thursday or Friday and $77 for Saturday. $15 for Sunday. We know what day uh, is uh, low traffic at Gen Con. Yeah. And trade day badges will be $135. Registration for Gen Con online will be free. And for in-store events at local game stores for Gen Con pop-up will be $5 with both of those registrations opening on June 27th. So that's Gen Con news. So um, our buddy Lincoln, who you know works with Mythic Games, there, um, he said he's planning to go. Wow. So, it makes sense because they pay his way, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but what's interesting is Mythic Games is going to have a representation there at the vendor hall. So cool. Yep. You know, it's game on for them. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I already rolled my badge over. So I'm I'm planning on next year, but not this Ugh. year. I missed it by one stinking day. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So I'm sure they'll take care of it. Oh, sorry. I was about to start another news item, and you said go something. for it. What, what did you say? You sure you're sure they'll take care of me? I'm sure you'll get. There'll be some sort of concession for you. I think that I'd be totally okay with that. I'd be totally okay with that. I, yeah. I I really hate the idea of trying to get a trip together going by myself to Gen Con to save a hundred and twenty. Well, All right. Here's the thing. If you just had to go, I might go with you. <laughs> <laughs> honey honey dan's gonna be all by himself he's gonna be so sad he's got he's just gonna need someone some support i think there's all right, anyways. a decent chance there are other people in our group who didn't roll their badges over <sighs> i i know that we had a pretty big uh chat a thing about it a, about a month ago that you, people needed to roll it over but uh there probably are some people that just didn't get to it it just say. happens to all of us Woo was me. All right, last news item. Of course, Gen Con isn't the only convention as PaizoCon is online is just around the corner, May 28th to 31st. Paizo announced a list of events for the, for the convention on their blog, including the launch of the Year 4 storyline for Starfighter Society Organized Play, Year of the Data Scourge. Two new releases for Pathfinder Society 2nd Edition, along with a new bounty and other events for both Pathfinder 1st Edition and Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. There will also be panels live-streamed on the Paizo Twitch channel and more panels and events from Paizo and third-party publishers on the Paizo Events Discord. So if you're into Paizo games, there's plenty for you at the end of May. And you're into online conventions. Online conventions. So um, I'm going to just throw this plug in here. Origins is you know that's normally at the mid middle of june in columbus ohio 
has moved to um, September. Yeah. So yep. they are in person as well. Do we know anything about their uh, stipulations? Um, when I was last on their website, it said that they were providing updated guidance and like middle of May, they would be have opening up the event registration for like, if you wanted to run events. Um, but like there wasn't much after that. Yeah. So I, I don't think they've even out. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know when they're opening badge stuff. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it's not until like late June, but by that time, man, like they may just be like, Hey, we're open. I mean, Ohio was pretty, pretty like liberal with the mask policies already. Mm. So, you know, yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Kind of interesting. Yeah. We'll see how this goes. Maybe, maybe. Well, yeah. They do say we are working with other game convention organizers to develop guidelines for safe events, including but not limited to bullet number one, requiring face masks. Bullet number two, temperature checks. Check. So, Bullet number three, hand sanitization. Yeah, and listen, I, I mean, yes, of course they're going to put that in there, but yeah, I am, right. I will be very curious to see how that plays out in six months. Curious. Well, not quite six months. I guess it's like four months. Yeah. But, you know, four months, I mean, like a lot happened in the last two weeks, <laughs> you know, so. Might just we'll have see. to have a surprise uh, vacay in September. And Hey, hey. You got to come right, right on the hills of guilt. Right on. <laughs> <the> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll drop. We'll 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 drive you as far as Columbus. You're on there your you own go. after that, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta shake my leg out on the street. Yeah, yeah. But hey, if we go to Columbus, we could stop by that ice cream place again. Yes. I don't even yes. remember what it's the called. the one we go to every year. Yeah. I don't remember. It's it's like start on my map. That's all I yeah. know. It's That's, a save. It's yeah. saved in my Google's. Yeah. 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 Right. I tell you this on that last news item. I, I tell you, I am just not in the mood for an online convention. Yeah. Having gone through this last year, I'm like, I'm done just doing like everything online at this point. Give me some cards I can hold. Did Let me you, roll some dice in person. Did you do any of the online Gen Con stuff? I tried to do it, um, like when they did, they were doing like the events and stuff, and it just. I think that my problem here's the problem. I think it's the fact that like I spend so much of my work day in virtual oh, meetings. Yeah. yeah I'm just all. like I'm ready, you know, when I play games, I don't want to just be doing the same thing I'm doing all day, which is, you know, standing at my desk looking at a screen. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I'm sitting I podcast in the same chair that I work in right now. Five days a week. There you this are. kinda gets into our main topic. Yes. Yeah. What yep. does post-COVID gaming look like? What does so it just, look like? Just to be clear, that was our last news Can item. Can you see right? it? That was our last news item. Don't, yeah. don't you have the notes? Do you it? have more? He has more. He always has more. No, I, I All right, don't. go ahead. I don't. <laughs> no, Justin always adds. Oh, sometimes, sometimes I'll add something, but I, I really don't have anything right oh, now. Oh, okay. All right, back to the Oh, main oh no, I do, I do, I do. I oh. Do. Ah, the the long-anticipated um, Soul Blight Gravelords is coming. Oh, yeah. Out. This is the vampire faction for Age of Sigmar. And listen, they, they used to exist before, <laughs> and they were kind of rolled under the Legion and the Gash, which is like general death army, um, and kind of forgotten about, sort of like put it, they kind of put baby in a corner, right? <laughs> uh, I know you'd love that, Dan. 
<laughs> I'm never going to be able to watch Dirty Dancing the same ever again. <laughs> so, yeah, they kind of put Baby in a corner, but now Baby's got her own book. And um, there are some people that are literally losing their minds. These are people who I'm sure have Twilight on demand, ready to go to watch at any moment because they are like obsessed with vampires and now they get to play them like it's kind of amazing don't you think jason uh i think it's cool yeah and i i think it's also amazing that you said twilight on demand because there's so much better like real vampire stuff out there uh yeah i know like (laughs) a underworld b blade oh my gosh underworld (laughs) series alone yeah so much yeah i know but listen some of these guys are like the emo twilight twilighters there's an episode of community where the not community of parks and rec where there's this guy obsessed with um twilight who handcuffs himself to leslie nope's office and won't stop stop talking to her about twilight (laughs) yeah it's awesome guy from snl i forget his name the guy yeah. in uh last man on earth so, so anyways i would hope that um people took the underworld as um you know influence when doing their soul bright light armies yeah, i agree because I agree. that uh, yeah the underworld series is amazing although did you see that there's like kind of like a werewolf vampire faction it's kind of weird so that's well i mean werewolves and vampires always kind of go together and in lore around I, them. Yeah, but like as mortal enemies though, right? Yeah, most of the time. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. most of the time. I mean, yeah. even in Twilight, they're mortal enemies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in Underworlds, Underworlds are mortal enemies. But yes. anyway, in this book, like there's a vampire who's kind of feral and he's like got, like turns into a wolf. He's got dire wolves. That, like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the he's hybrid. actually he's, he's the actually hybrid. in the cursed city. He's Radicar the wolf, and like yep. he's the lord of the a lord of Ulfencarn. But isn't is isn't isn't um isn't the model that you get not in the cursed city? Isn't it in his full wolf form? Yes, exactly. So yeah. the one that I have in the cursed city is like he's like in his like humanoid lord form. Yeah, yeah. And then the model that they use in Age of Sigmar, I'm sure you could use them interchangeably if you wanted to. Sure. But the model in uh, Age of Sigmar, he's like in full wolf form, which yeah. is kind of cool too. So what's funny is I was going to say Justin usually has something to add news wise, and I was going to say it, but I didn't say it. I said 99% of the time it's Warhammer related. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We all have our news sources, and his is Warhammer. We do, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. true. But it'll be a cool book when it comes out to see yeah. see that on the table. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of it. Even more than the elves. Good. So. I will happily die to vampire legions <laughs> than... <laughs> than high elves? Yes. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Your all right, that's all the news be, I had. Your elves just need to be bit by the vampire. It could be both. Yeah. Immortal versus immortal. Uh, We know you hate elves. We talked about that when you weren't on the show, how much you hate elves. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Let's move on to the topic. (laughs) (laughs) So great. The main topic is what does post COVID gaming look like? Look like, look like, look like. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, so, you know, things are changing. People are getting vaccinated. They're realizing, oh, I, I, I don't have to stay in my house in my sweatpants anymore. And then they say, oh, I, I, I don't fit in this. any of my jeans. I can't wear my jeans anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, there's, 
there's opportunities and there's complications that I think come with gaming in a post-COVID world. So let's talk about the downside. Uh, let's talk about the downsides first of, of gaming of, of gaming in a post-COVID world. Like, what are what are the mm. difficulties or challenges that you might face now gaming? Well, the, the number one challenge is is uh, people kind of have an uneven level of ease about normal gaming. Okay. Okay. And so there's kind of sometimes uh, whether a good or bad assumption that mm-hmm. there should be a virtual option. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's kind of where that was, I think the virtual option was like the, uh, I guess so, you know, default setting in the pre COVID world. Yeah. Now it's almost expected that you should have one if you want everybody there. Yeah. You know, um, I was doing virtual years with, with with our buddy Mike when he was mm -hmm. out, out, you know, in mountain time zone. Yeah. We were doing it on crappy cameras a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and we did it over and over and over again. Had a, a great time, but I had to put an end to it. It was just too hard. We had too many people in person and too many people on the other side of his camera. When he started yeah. inviting people to my game virtually, and they were all in the same room together, they were great. Mike, you're great. I know you listen to the show. Don't don't take that <laughs> the wrong way. Don't stop listening. Keep trolling, though. Keep trolling us, Mike. Um, so... Uh, there's there's ways to do virtual uh, successfully. We talked about it before. We the all or nothing approach works with virtual, right? Where you're like, hey, everybody should just be online if we're going to do it online. And I've done that. Right. And blending the two requires a good mic. It requires a mic that's yeah. not going to pick up the wrong kinds of conversation. It's going to require echo control. Um, the audio has to be loud enough where people can feel the people who are virtual can feel like they can talk in a normal way without it being, without them yeah. having to go, Hey, 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 listen to me. So, um, the, yeah. it, it takes a little bit more setup, a lot more trial and error and figuring out a way. What I've had to do is put a monitor on my table Mm-hmm. And I have this microphone on a boom, on an articulating arm boom, and I just point it as close as I can to the table. And then I have my audio going through an, my old surround sound system, so it's plenty loud enough. But that's not the standard configuration most people right. have. Most people just have a laptop. Yeah. And yeah, I was gonna say there's a good way and a bad way to do this. I did it once the bad way when Dan Dan um, could make not you Dan the other Dan could Dan make F, it to one yeah. of our games. And he joined in and on the laptop, and I mean, I felt bad for him because I think that he was just kind of like, I can't see anything that's going on there because we were playing with miniatures, you know, like during a fight. And I had to be like, okay, well, you're three feet away from somebody. He's like, okay, well, I'll move to them and swing. Like, it, he was not tactical at all with everybody else because he just couldn't see anything. And, like, there'd be a lot of table talk going on, and he couldn't really hear because the laptop mic wasn't that good to pick up yep. that stuff, you know. And so, um, you know, I just said, ah, I'm not going to do that again. And I really didn't like it. And that really put a bad taste in my mouth for doing, like, a hybrid virtual option. Um, you know, like, all virtual works. All tabletop works. Hybrid, boy, you really have to work hard to make it work. Yeah. And I will say this. Uh, GuildCon convinced me that it is still possible. Yeah, because do. we had Mike again, our good friend Mike, yep. phoning in. He'll be there in person, I think, this year. 
Another thing that you mentioned, minis, which is really important. And I have GM'd for many years and loved, 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 loved minis. And I own a ton of minis. But guess what? I ran a game two nights ago, and I have a game table designed to do mini encounters. Yeah. Didn't run minis. I didn't run minis. I didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to deal with it. It was all still theater of the mind. Yeah. Um, and which kind of puts you in, so as a GM, puts you in a very weird position of figuring out who your target priorities are. Uh-huh. I'll say, well, there's three of you that haven't been attacked, so I'm going to roll a D6. You're one, two, right. you're three, four, you're five, six. And that works. It's extra steps. It breaks the flow. And it feels fair, but that's all it does. It feels right, right. it feels fair, but it doesn't do anything for the When you've got many is down in front of you um, that, like, these three would see that guy, so they're gonna shoot that guy, yeah. right? Like that makes more sense. So yeah, and there's uh, yeah. this is where I disagree, right? I don't, I don't necessarily think one way or the other is better. I know I prefer theater of the mind, and I think that if you're you, I think if someone is, um, I think if you like theater of the mind, I think it can flow very well without feeling like yeah. it breaks it up. Uh, and yeah. I think there's a little bit more theatric freedom. In theater of the mind, which is probably one of the reasons why I really like it. Yeah. Um, uh, whereas on tabletop, if you've got kind of minis at the table, you are creating boundaries that you must play inside of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas theater of the mind, you still have that open, free flow, free form that I really like about RPGs. I think both are good depending on the group that you have. Yeah. If you have a group that needs that kind of structure, then minis are great. If you have a group that is more um open to maybe theatrics involved in the encounters then uh, i think theater of the mind can work well that way too. yeah yeah i i i've been doing nothing but theater of the mind nonstop since covid right and, yeah and most so, of us have yeah and it, it, it it works perfectly suitably well um but what what i'm missing though is i've over the years collected i have a pretty gosh darn heavy collection of sci-fi maps um, that I've collected dust the whole time. Yeah, you do have really good maps. Those maps are fun. And thanks, thanks. And one of the great things about those maps is that somebody, and I'll say everything you see on the map is there, right? Yeah. If it fits the story, if there's not like a canon reason why something's not mm-hmm. there, they'll say, right. oh, hey, it looks like there's a potted plant right there. Can I pick up and throw that plant? I go, well, yeah, of course you can. Right. Hey, there's a cotton candy machine on this table. Can I? Yeah, yeah. Can I have cotton candy? <laughs> can I have candy yeah. floss? Sorry, that's that what yeah. British people call cotton candy. So, uh, yeah, so getting back to post-COVID world, um, going hybrid is is going to be a thing for a, a, a much longer time than many, many of us want to admit. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes some skill and some thought. And it, sometimes as a GM, you have to stop chatter at the table and just say, oh, hey, you know, what did you say can, on the line? Can you can you repeat that for me real quick? I didn't, I don't think I heard you correctly. Yeah. So um, uh, what I've noticed though, is that I, I, I think it, it, it does hurt interaction because first of all, you don't get to look people in the face even on virtual because their cameras and their pictures don't match yeah. up anyway. So I think there's, there's a, a personal thing that's missing so there, you know, it's better to be gaming than to not game, right? Right? Yeah. Like we all, we've all played way more RPGs than we ever thought, just because it's so much. They're so much easier to get going virtually than they are board game. Yeah. So one other downside that I thought of was that um, 
as we kind of get all right so what, well, let, me, let me put it this way one of the silver linings of the pandemic was that you had more quality time at home with your family now some people liked that some people didn't but um you know i think that uh for many of us that have a spouse and kids like you were home more often and now that things are getting back to normal there are demands on time mm. like i feel that greatly right now like the demands on my time all of a sudden have just increased it feels like a thousandfold and so now i have to try to fit in gaming where it was easy just to say yeah sure let's do it let's play you know because like what else do i have going on you know and now it's like well we got date night oh well uh the these people want us to come over for dinner oh these people want us to have you know want us to go over to their house for a camp out or something like that and it's just like holy cow, like, that's, like, all my weekends are planned now, and, like, where am I going to fit in gaming? So, you know, I mean, I think scheduling is yeah. now going to be an issue in the post-COVID world where it wasn't 14 months ago. Yeah. I mean, it felt During like we were COVID. playing a game. Yeah, we, Jason, my wife is like, you're gaming, like, every night, and I'm like, what else am I supposed to do? She's like, spend <laughs> time with me, and I'm like, well, okay, I guess I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> For eternity. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what are the upsides, gentlemen? What are the upsides of, of, of gaming now in this post-COVID world? There, There's a lot more energy around the table. Getting people in the room together. Buying the snacks. One of my favorite rituals is to go buy a whole bunch of sodas and glass bottles and put them on ice in a cooler you know, a couple hours before the game. You it's know. fun. You know, yeah. getting a, a bucket of red vines and telling everybody, hey, we're going to have these snacks. It's not about the snack. It's just about those rituals of having a party. That's true. It, could, it doesn't have to be an art. It could be any kind of game night. You know, I've got a couple of game nights in mind that have nothing to do with RPGs, but I'm excited yeah. about doing them, right? Yeah, I miss I miss the Pomeroy basement. Yeah, and we've never even used the new one. Nope, <laughs> no, we haven't. Well, we used it once, you're, you know, for, for this particular group. I mean, how long did you live in your prior house, Dan? uh 2007 to 2020 so 13 years and we game down there a lot 13 yeah man a lot of lot of memories hanging out down there playing so many different games for so, sure yep. yeah for sure although i can say i have gamed in dan's basement his new one that's right we did do it we've uh-huh. done some couples game that's nights. right done some couple and those i've been able to weasel in there and now little yeah. couples game nights here and there. And those have been great. But um, so th- those are upsides is as the energy in the room is very, is, is very different than everybody checking into yet another zoom call. Um, and, and I've really enjoyed it and it's, it's good. So the, the, the energy is good. Yeah. The interaction's good. Um, I think there's, I think the big part to me is that there's less distractions. And that sounds kind of funny because, like, you're sitting in front of a computer with a headset on. But how many times have we mm-hmm. been gaming online and all of a sudden someone's spouse comes in to talk to them? Yeah. Or a kid comes in or something like that. And they get up and they just – like, they have to get up immediately and walk away. Cause the this is that, that time-old statement, right, that is if you are home, you are available. Right. If you are not home, which, you know – then, then you're not. Where? Well, sorry, babe, I gotta leave at uh, six forty-five to make it there by seven. So, just I gotta go. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. And uh, and and if you have people over, that means you're not home either, right? That's you, true. You know I, I think mean? it does like, help if people are there with you. Yeah. There's generally a little bit of a more of a virtual barrier there. Yeah. Yep. 
So yeah, and so more focus. I think that that's a you know yeah, and, and like dedication in there. So I I think that's say, always a good thing. Did you say medication? Yes, lots of medication. Yeah, get medicated before you <laughs> get game. meds in there. Yeah, pass so around the, the pills. Uh, Gonna have a party. Woo! <laughs> I know that there's a lot of web browsing that happens during virtual RPGs. And oh my gosh, I'm, yes, I am so. I used to code guilty. during RPGs. I am so guilty of that. I'm not going to tell which group I was doing that with, but man, I'd be like, "Well, yeah, I, I guess know. I know uh, I don't want to call anybody out." So I'm like, you know, Amazon made a lot of money off my RPG time because guess what? It's like, well, this period, I'm my characters aren't doing anything. You know, what what do I need to buy? So it, they, that still happens live. Remember, you're competing against people's phones, right? And their Facebook and stuff like that. And that is not going away. Yeah. So um, as a GM, I'm like, oh, okay, am I involving everybody? Is this combat encounter taking too long? Are we not moving fast enough through people's turns? Uh, and uh, complex games actually make it hard to get through combat rounds when characters are much have a lot more levers to pull. Yeah, it slows everything down just like yep. just like normal. Yep. Um, I, I listen. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw this out there real quick. I think that this is kind of a neutral one. Um, it's not a disadvantage or an advantage. You know, not downside or upside. Um, because I think we, I think, I think that there's some cool things with it. Uh, I love D and D beyond. I think D and D beyond is awesome. Yeah. Um, I, Jason, I don't know how you feel about it. I think you use it quite a bit, like with our game, you know, but I, I love how the character sheets work. I love how the encounters work for the GM. It makes it running it so smooth and so easy. Um, so what that means to me is I don't want to get rid of it. And so that means I think there's going to be more uh, tablets and phones at the table that people mm-hmm. can use their character sheets with virtually, you know, um, their, or digital character sheets, I mean. And that means that I'll probably have a laptop in front of me instead of a, a, a screen. Yeah, I have a, um, a little Chromebook that I used to, that I started taking with me. But um, I, I, I like the character sheet aspect. Yeah. Of D and D Beyond, I think there are, I think there are quirks in terms of looking up rules. Sometimes, sometimes it's really easy to get to rule. Other times, you're like buried in articles, and you're like, "Where's just the freaking rule?" Yeah, I agree. Um, but um, you know, I, and I've been thinking about this. It's really easy to play to just pick up and start playing with D and D Beyond. But I do miss like physically rolling dice, and I want to make sure there's never an expectation that we will use the party dice chat. I don't think there ever will be, but. It's you just, I miss rolling physical dice on the Oh, table. yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, like, it makes it so easy just to click that button and let the dice roll on your screen. And yeah. that's nice. Because then you don't have to do the mental math. It will tell you exactly what number you got, you know. Yeah. But, listen, if we're sitting... I don't trust it. I, <laughs> and if we're sitting in front of each other, I expect physical dice to be rolled. Yeah. I mean, there's something about everybody being able to see what you got. Do you guys all you remember know? that time that we all asked our... We all asked our, um, uh, what is it, like our Google, what are those things called? Oh, yeah. Like the Amazon Alexas or the Google yeah. uh, Homes or whatever. We yeah. all asked them to roll dice independently in the chats, yeah. and we all got the same number from There's all like of our 13. devices. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I was like, well, this is crap. No. <laughs> yeah. So this is crap. No, yeah. Bad. It was like way too many of us got 13. Way of, too many. Like, and it was a D20, right? Like, yeah. Like, Okay. Hmm. Uh, are they just doing them down a list of numbers? That's terrible. I don't know. 
Um, yes. So we had both, uh, we rolled in person and we had the dice roller for virtual people up at the same time two nights ago, um, which was good in some ways. I had one person at the table who was rolling the virtual roller on his iPad instead of picking up the dice. I literally had a bucket of dice and he was still doing that. You know, it's whatever everybody's, I think that's probably part of the, the hybrid nature of where we're at. Yep. Where yeah. you know yeah. people are you know people are used to using certain tools and sometimes it feels like a step back to do it the do it in pre-COVID ways. So I do have an exception, and that is the the um, the the what do you call it? the narrative dice. I I feel like the app helps me because I'm oh, not it's great. like you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you really guys great. are really fast. Like I'll roll the dice, and, and usually if I'm rolling real dice, I roll the dice and I look to one of you guys. Uh, what I get? <laughs> what I get? <laughs> <laughs> but, but if I use the app, you know, it like auto like cancels. It auto cancels. Like, look at the bottom bar. Yeah and, yeah, and and that's fine too. And that's that's what our online rollers do. Yeah. You know, our online rollers are super sophisticated for that game. We can do critical hit. Their critical charts are built into it. Mm-hmm. It's so good. We can add symbols like, oh, I need to add two successes because of this special ability. You can do that right there in the app. The rollers, the online rollers are great. But a lot of people still pick up the plastic. Um, yeah. So I, I can't foresee. It's fun to hear that sound. I can't foresee doing it. I, I don't know. I think I'll just have to keep doing hybrid for a while. I, I don't know. I Or, I, or have people use the app if they want to use the app, which is perfectly in, in bounds. Yeah. Yeah. Here's you know, a question. No, go ahead. Go I ahead, was going to say, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because last time I said, uh, or a couple of times ago, I talked about uh, running um or it was maybe our last episode running an episode for noobs right um and i talked about how much they loved rolling the dice you know yeah like that was that was part of the experience is rolling that dice over and over by the time they're like can i roll for it and i'm like you don't really have to roll like can i do it anyway i'm like sure (laughs) knock yourself out you know yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. why is it i don't know what it is i think it's just I, I, it's the psychological, tactile yeah. nature of it. It's fun. It's there's yep. something about it. It's ephemeral. Yeah. yeah so. Do you, so do you, uh, so talking about you know the upsides and the downsides and solutions to these. Do you think it is acceptable or will be socially acceptable to to put a mandate of one way or the other on groups? Like we are not going to allow any virtual connections. Uh, like, there will not be hybrid. Um, I, I've wanted, or to we do, must all be virtual. I've wanted to do that, but I just don't have the guts. I just, don't yeah, have the guts. listen, I think it's going to take, I think if you're playing a game right now, you have to offer the virtual option as a hybrid at, at a minimum. If you're That's... in a gaming group that you're in right now, if you okay. start a new gaming group, let's say you start a new gaming group in June. I think you can easily say, boom, we're doing, like, there's no hybrid. You know what I mean? Like, clean slate, here we are. Like, I think you could do it then. But for the gaming groups that you got running right now, I think you've got to leave the hybrid option open. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Or, no, well, or go sure, control. if you have established group, yeah. Yep. Because, I mean, you've oh, for for the last year and a half, it, or, you know, you've been doing it a certain way and so to kind of it's kind of it would kind of be like yanking the rug out from under some people yeah that's fine i guess the question was uh you know because you're going to have established dynamics with your teams the question was more of do you think people will be 
okay with saying, oh, I got to bail out of this one because they're only doing it in person? Or... Um, I, it's different now because we've formed these groups during COVID. So I'm thinking, and some of these groups are kind of carryovers from in-person groups, but some of them are like legit. Like when I was playing Rogue Trader with you guys, there were people from all over the area that maybe some of yeah. them are super far away. I'd never met before. That was like a purely virtual group for me when I was involved, when I was involved yeah. when I, and I since exited. But so are you breaking the social contract of the group to say COVID's over um, if we want to play this game, you've got to drive an hour to play it. Well, we're talking about a new game, though, not the existing. Or not the existing. Okay. That's a, that's a fair point. Um, I, I do think all gaming is like politics. All gaming is local in some real way. Um, I, I have a real hard time. I'm just I'm just old school in that way. I look at the world through those eyes. I, 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 I fa The fact that I've been running two groups and one group that I run is I have to drive north 45 minutes and other people in the group have to drive south 20 minutes to, to get mm -hmm. to keep that group going has been a real strain. And, and that was pre-COVID. Um, we yeah. had that going a long time. But uh, I've So here's a thought then. Um, and I'm throwing stuff out there to make you uncomfortable. But uh, what do. do you think it's okay to say, all right, guys, COVID's ending. Um, I'm not going to pull the rug out from under you, but we're going to wrap this up in the next two sessions because I want to go back to pure in-person. So I floated ideas like that with one of my other groups that you guys don't know, any of those gamers. And I floated, I said, well, once everybody has shots and we're all sure. vaccinated. Dan's, Dan's air quote, friends that exist. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they, they, they don't exist. Yeah, they, they, His quote, other groups. They, my I other know. group, my friend. <laughs> all the stuffed animals from my kids. Here. Um, I call him Mr. Spock. <laughs> Mr. Spock. <laughs> I feel like Cartman right now. <laughs> what was the frog's name that Cartman We believe you. Had? We believe you. Was it Kermit? Anyway. So uh, I floated the idea too early of getting back together. And some people were like, whoa, 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 hey. And I said, after everyone is fully vaccinated. And there was a lot of pushback. And I had some one member of the group say, hey, you guys can get together without me. That whoa. literally happened. And so then I stopped playing with them for two or two, three months. And I, suddenly they were all interested to get back together again. <laughs> The GM stopped yeah. playing the game. Oh, we we haven't played for three yeah, months. What yeah. are we gonna do? So um, that is a Look, thing. I think, I think it's a very real situation where you get people that you play game, you know, you played games with for a really long time, and sometimes you can get to this stale point in your relationships where you've been playing for a couple of years, not really sure what to do, but. It's time to do something new, but there's this feeling of obligation that, that everyone has to still be included in what comes next because we've all been kind of attached at the hip for so long. And Which is why you haven't been kind of in any of my groups, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was talking over you. You were making an important point. And no, I was, no, it's, a, I it's okay. I understand. While I, I, severed that, I severed that connection years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> done with this guy and his stupid star wars games <laughs> um no so um yeah there's it's it there is a lot of social pressure and there's a lot more social stuff to navigate around uh mm -hmm. in this kind of in this transition back to reality mode yeah um but so yeah. what i found is that after 
in February when everybody was like, when uh, one or two members of the group were like, hey, you know, go do it without me. And then three months later, everybody's like, you've got a vaccine and you've got a vaccine and you've got, well, we should all get to back together. And what date is that going to be? And let's find the get back together non-virtual date. So my other group has a non-virtual date to come to my house, even though it's a far drive, it's a farther drive for most everybody because they want to try out the table. Um, they want to christen the table um, with the group. So we do have a, we do have a hundred percent in-person game on the calendar for that group. That's cool. Um, so and you guys can come over and see all the stuffed animals that I have lined up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, these are all Dan's friends. These are all lined up. Oh. Dan, are you okay? You, we need. There's someone for you to talk to. Dan brings new meaning to dollhousing as a GM. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I so. still. I'm sorry. I live three time zones away from my friends in college, and we still game and in person. <laughs> <laughs> when I game with one of my friends from college who she lives in the area and I live in the area and we have a group. Nice. So listen, I think I think um you know, gaming in a post COVID world, there's a lot of excitement about it. It means that we can get together again. It means that we can look at each other in the eye and call BS on each other, you know, or or you know, play mind games. Or rules you know, jerk. Like, yeah, or rules jerk each other. Uh, you know, it means we get to roll dice again. It means we get a laugh with cookies in our mouth. And, it means we get to know. stink up our room. Hey, <laughs> this, exactly. This room has gamer man funk. <laughs> you know, the nice thing The nice thing about... Dan's uh, basement will never smell the same. That's right. I was going to say, like, uh, after Sean Con, like, that poor house probably needed to be fumigated because it was, like, pretty ripe in there. But... Uh, yeah, anyway, like, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of excitement about there. But then, you know, you also have to kind of look on the flip side that there's some people that are probably a little cautious still. Yeah. I mean, we are coming out of a year-long pandemic that has never happened to pretty much anybody living at this point. Mm-hmm. Because the last one was like over 100 years ago. So, um, that affected us as badly, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean... You know, this was a, this was a big trying time for a lot of people, and I think there's still a lot of psychological scars that we have to kind of navigate. And you know, if we want to be kind of an inclusive gaming community, uh, we got to be sensitive to those a yeah. little bit. I so. agree. The sensitivity piece really comes into play. And I think getting back to Jay's question, which is, is it sometimes is it okay to just end a group? And, yeah. and navigate around, and this was this point I, he was making while I interrupted him with a joke. Is or can, can you navigate around all of the social stuff and say, okay, guys, this is now done. If you guys want to do something else, I want to be involved. I don't want to be involved. And, and a right. break points. And I have people in my other gaming group that were in campaigns that lasted three, four, five, six, seven years, and not with me but with other campaigns they'd been involved in. And so, yeah, you know, we go for 12, 16 months and, and then every, and, and ending it, ending it, you get the response sometimes is, Oh, I finally got this character the way I want it. Yep. Yep. And I felt like that getting to level 10 in D and D and we went through, I had the same character through, through DM, through two DMS. And I was so excited to get to level 10. I think we played the final mission and then it was dead. And I'm like, crap i finally feel like this character is useful yeah so um there's some expectations you have to balance there one of the ways 
that I compensate for that is I pretty much double the amount of XP that the game recommends, just in general. Hmm. It works great. Everybody's so much happier. So I think that you have stumbled onto another topic podcast, like how and when to end gaming groups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I think that's I think we've successfully explored the topic of the evening. So, thank you everyone for listening to us. And uh, if you've got comments or suggestions of what we could do to game in a post-COVID world, please leave them on our Facebook page and uh, or in our Discord chat where we've got uh, our tabletop and beyond chat room where everybody can go in and talk about the latest episode and uh, troll us if they so desire. Yes, Um, do it. Exactly. Uh, But with that, we thank everybody for listening and uh, hope you all have a great night. See ya. Bye-bye.